Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. I want you to say, Pastor, preach to me today. Let the Word touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach to me today. Let the Word touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach to me today. Let me leave here a better person than what I was when I came in. And let's get carnal. Go Cowboys. You may be seated. All right. I knew if I didn't add that, somebody would. So last week we talked about big rocks. We started a series called Big Rocks and we went to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And right in the middle of 5 and 7 is 6 and the Lord, the Lord pulled out three big rocks. It was a story of a time management class where a man brought out a, a gallon jar, a mason jar with a big wide lid and about 12 fist sized stones and he started putting all those stones, those rocks in that mason jar and filled it up. And then he asked the class, is the jar full? And of course, they said yes. And he said, no, it's not. He reached under the counter and pulled out some real fine gravel. And he poured the gravel in that mason jar and filled it up and said, now is it full? And of course, they would caught on to him by then. They said, probably not. And then he reached and got some real fine sand and poured the sand in amongst the gravel and the big rocks and filled it to the brim and said, now is it full? And they said, well, we don't know, probably not. And he said, no, it's not. Then he took water and he poured the water in, into, the, into the mason jar. And when the water filled to the brim, he said, now it's full. And then he said, what's the meaning or the moral or the point of the story? And one eager beaver young man raised his hand and he said, well, no matter how many things you have going on in your life, you can always squeeze something else in it. And the man said, no, you missed it. He said, the point is, if you don't put the big rocks in first, you will never get them in at all. And on the first few Sundays of this year, 2017, we're not talking about time management so much, but we're talking about priorities. Everybody say priorities. What are the big rocks of my life and what are the minutia. What is the don't matter problems and situations in my life? See, some people don't understand the word priorities. Everything is the same. They don't understand priorities. It's kind of like a group of friends that went deer hunting a few years ago and they separated into pairs. And later that night, one hunter returned alone and he was staggering under the weight of an eight point buck. And the hunters, other hunters asked, where's Harry? And the lone hunter replied, Harry fainted a couple of miles up the trail and the others couldn't believe it. You mean you left him lying there and you carried the deer back instead? And the man said, it was a tough call, but I figured no one was going to steal Harry. (laughs) Some people don't get priorities, but some people do get it. I read one of the most interesting stories that I want to share with you about Desert Storm There was a colonel by the name of William Post, and he was in charge of receiving the incoming supplies for the United States Ground Force. And among these supplies were tons of food that would come in every day. And one day, Colonel Post received a message from the Pentagon requesting that they account for, are you ready for this, 40 cases of missing grape jelly. 40 cases. And the colonel sent the soldiers to, a soldier to investigate the missing jelly. And the soldier reported back that he couldn't find it. 
And so Colonel Post made it and just put it in his report and assumed that that would be the end of it. After all, it was just grape jelly. But remember, the government was involved. And the Pentagon continued to press the colonel, pointing out that they need to close the books for the month. And they couldn't just let jelly vanish. And they ordered him to give an all-out effort to find the jelly. And the colonel had enough and sent back this terse response. Sirs, you must decide. I can dispatch the entire army to find your missing jelly. Or I can dispense the entire army and liberate Kuwait. But I can't do both. That's funny to me, folks. He never got a reply. He no longer worried about the jelly. Some people know how to put priorities where they belong. When it comes to your family against grape jelly, your family wins. When it comes to your children against grape jelly, your family wins. When it comes to your relationship with Jesus Christ against grape jelly, Jesus Christ wins. When it comes to your church against grape jelly, your church wins. Are you following me now? You understand? It doesn't matter if the Pentagon's calling. There's nothing greater than a relationship with Jesus Christ in your life. Clap your hands with me and say amen to that. So, that, so today, we discuss part two of Big Rocks. What Jesus was talking about in Matthew 6 on the Sermon on the Mount. So pastor, what's my next move with God? Let me just ask you, I, I, don't, I don't want us to act super spiritual, but, but this is my eighth day to do what I'm doing in fasting. How many of you folks are fasting? You're fasting? Raise your hand real quick and put it down. All right, thank you so much. How many of you folks, how many of you folks are fasting social media? Hmm. Anybody fasting TV? Anybody fasting movies? You, some of you go every day to the movies. Anybody going just once a week? Anybody fasting movies? I can't get any fasters in the house. Anybody fasting food? All right. Anybody fasting uh, sweets? I, I'm going to ask you a question. I need, this, I need this crowd to get responsive with me. <laughs> I need you to wake up. Just go ahead and wake up. Look at your neighbor and say, wake up. He's preaching to us this morning. Wake up. Wake up. Now let's start all over. How many of you folks are fasting with me? Come on. Raise your hand. All right. That's good. Put it down. Now, how many of you are fasting food? How many of you are fasting uh, bluebell? <laughs> Burn orange thunder. It just can't, I can't get it out of my mind. Burn orange thunder. Burn orange thunder. I can't get that out of my mind. But we're fasting. Now this week, we're going to talk about prayer because fasting disconnects us from the world. But prayer connects us to the Father. And what we need to do is not only just say, I'm going to fast. We need to start this year with priorities in our life saying, I'm going to draw near to him. And I know that he will draw near unto me. So what does this mean for me, pastor, in 2017? God created man, folks, for communion and fellowship. And he still desires that today. One writer put it this way. He's an anonymous writer. He said, imagine life is as a game which you're juggling five balls in the air trying to keep all of them alive. And you name them work and family and friends and health and faith. You name them work and family and health and friends and faith. And you're trying to keep all of them balanced. But you'll soon understand, folks, that work is a rubber ball. If you drop it, It'll bounce back up into your hand. 
But the other four, family and friends and health and your faith are glass balls. And if you drop them, they're liable to shatter. They're liable to break. There's some things you can't just drop and walk away. Work will bounce back, but you need your family. You need your friends. You need your health. And you need your faith today. And somebody said, Jesus told Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. We got to hold it together. So we talked about fashion. Today we talk about the second big rock. Matthew chapter 6 verse 5 said, and when you pray. Everybody say, when you pray. pray. Not if you pray, but when you pray. Do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the rewards in full. But when you pray, go to your room, that secret place, the same as the upper room, the same words, that secret place where the power can come and close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. It doesn't take a whole lot of asking to get what you need. After this manner, therefore pray, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Somebody say amen. 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 And if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your father will not forgive your sin. Wow. That's bad right there. I wish he'd left that out, don't y'all? But he's saying, don't just pray the Lord's prayer. Don't just make vain repetitions. Pray that prayer. Our father, which art in heaven, Lord, I'm gonna honor you today. Hallowed be thy name. You're a great God. You're an awesome God. You're a worthy God. You know, my kids, when they were little and they come in and ask me for a quarter or a dollar, now it's, it's a whole lot more than that. But when they'd come in and ask me, their attitude all depended on what I gave and how I blessed them. If they come in sulking, I say, okay, go fix your attitude and then come back and ask the Father. I want you to know that our Father in heaven wants us to come in bragging on him. He wants us to come in saying, hallowed be thy name. I love you. I'm come to talk to you today because prayer is only conversation with the Lord Almighty. But there's a sister chapter in Psalms chapter 100 I want to read today. It's a sister chapter. I just call it that because it kind of, it kind of goes in flow with Matthew chapter 6. And here's the sister chapter. It says, Psalms 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all your land. Serve the Lord with gladness. There's an attitude. Come before his presence with singing. Amen. Prayer is just talking to God. Worship is prayer with music. So know ye that the Lord, he is God. It's he that's made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Amen. Amen. The disciples asked the Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. 
And he said, when you pray, pray like this. And so he showed them how to pray. But prayer is just talking. It's communication. Somebody said, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Well, I'm going to teach you how in the next two minutes here. Prayer is communication. The way you talk to a friend, you talk to your best friend. He's your friend. And it doesn't matter if you've never prayed in your life. You can walk up to your friend that you do not see and start talking to him. You can drive down the road and say, hey, God. I know you fill up all time and space and I'm one of your kids. I need to talk to you today and just start talking. I promise you when you start doing that, you're going to feel some gooseys and some hair standing up on the end of your head because God Almighty loves people to talk to him. Hallelujah. And come into his presence with a great attitude. You got to learn how to communicate. So if you pick up the Bible, I call this soap. Say S-O-A-P. Say it with me. Soap. You get in the scripture. That's S. You open up yourself to the word of God. That's O. You apply what you read. That's A. And then you put it in practice. That's P. So when you pick up the Bible, you are washed by the reading of the word of God. You are cleansed by the reading of the word of God. And as the Lord speaks to you through this word, you start talking back to him and say, Lord, I love your scripture. I love to open up to your word. I love to apply it to my life. And I love to put into practice what you're doing in my life. See, what we need to do is to have some communication skills with the Lord. And in order to do that, we need to practice our communication skills with others. It's kind of like the man and the woman one day. The, the man asked the woman, said, what would you like for your birthday? She said, I'd love to be six again. So in the morning of her birthday, he got her up bright and early and they went off to the local theme park. And for five hours, he put her on the tilt-a-whirl. He put her on the big, big, the big dipper, the roller coaster. He put her on all kinds of rides. He just said, we're going to have the time of our life. And she was losing her mind and getting sick every moment. <laughs> and after five hours of that, he took her off and said, how was that? And they went right to McDonald's. And at McDonald's, they got the big kid's meal with extra fries and a refreshing chocolate shake. And after that, he took her to a Star Wars epic film complete with hot dogs and popcorn and all the icy Coke she wanted. And when they staggered out of there, she wobbled home with her husband and collapsed into bed. He leaned over and said, well, dear, how did you like being six again? She said, you idiot. I was talking about a dress size. I wanted to be a six. The, the Lord said, open your mouth and tell me what you want. What do you have need of? Do you need me to bless you? I can do that. Do you need me to heal you? I can do that. Do you need me to save your kids? I can do that. Do you need me? But I need somebody to talk to me. Understand what you're saying to me and say it right and I'll be your God and I'll help you through any situation. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. I remember. I remember when, when Patty and I first started dating, we had to get this communication thing figured out. Because you see, I was, I, was a, I was 31 and she is 23. I'm eight years older than her. Yes, I robbed the cradle. And... <laughs> but I'm not like my friend who was 65 and married a 25. I wasn't, I'm not like him. But she's done pretty good. She's done real good. But for, on our first date, she said, what do I call you? I said, what do you call me? What do you mean, what do you call me? She said, do I call you Pastor. Oh, God. I'm just thinking, oh, God. Do I call you Brother Johnson? Do I call you Reverend? What do I call you? What I, I had forgot was that I preached for her father 
several years ago when she was just a little old kid, you know, and here I was, this preacher, and she had seen me as this great preacher, this evangelist, you know, and she didn't know what to call me. She thought calling me by my name, I said, call me Rex. We got that fixed. <laughs> and then the second thing we had to handle <laughs> was when we was going to talk. Because I'm a morning person and she's a night person. I'm sorry. I can't stay up. You know, we go to, we go to other countries on vacation sometime. And when it's my turn to go to bed at my time in Austin, I'm out. I don't care if it's 7 o'clock in the Hawaiian Islands. I'm out because it's 10 here. You understand what I'm saying? And she don't understand it. She still don't get that. I remember when she used to come to bed, we used to have pillow talk, you know. And she'd come to bed and she'd talk and in about two minutes into her conversation, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. But when 6.30 comes in the morning, 7 o'clock, I'm tapping her on the shoulder, hey, how you doing? Mm. 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 So we have to learn how to communicate, what to call each other, and we also need to know what time works best. And then the third thing, I learned this, when she puts a trash bag in the middle of the floor, that don't mean put more trash in it. That means take this out, husband, to the trash, okay? I've cooked your meals, I've washed your dishes, I've washed your clothes. I'm not going to take the trash out. And we do that. That's just a silent signal. I'm going to take the trash out. But now we know what she calls me. She calls me, hey. (laughs) And now we know when to talk. And now I know what to do with the trash bags. I don't fill them up with more trash and leave them in the floor. I want to tell you something. When you start talking to your heavenly father... I used to have a man that I pastored, and he's, he's dead and gone, but I loved him, and his, his daughter still come to church. Every time, I'd love to pray with him because he'd call his heavenly father, Daddy. He said, Daddy, I'm here praying to you today. You know who this is because I call you Daddy. I love it. Call him Abba Father. Call him whatever you want, but get a conversation going with Almighty God in your life. It's time to start praying at the first, it's a big rock. You understand? You've got to get prayer in your life early this year because if you start getting that other stuff in your, in your jar, you'll forget the big rocks in your life. So you learn to communicate. Now, let me talk to you just a little bit. The Bible said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. The first thing I want to, my first point to you is you've got to get your mouth right. My mom used to say, get that mouth right, son. And then when I really did bad, she'd get a a house shoe. Get your mouth right. And if I really did bad, she got soap. Get your mouth right. Here's what I want to tell you. If you're going to pray to the Heavenly Father, you need to get your mouth right. The Bible said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You know what? I want to say something. There's a lot of ball games. There's going to be one this afternoon. I promise you in Dallas, Texas, at about high noon, the kickoff's at 340, there's going to be tailgaters there, and they're going to be screaming at every Green Bay fan that comes by, and they're going to be hollering and holding up a Miller Lite or whatever they do. They're going to be doing that, and they're going to be hollering. They're going to be hoarse before the game ever starts, and we call that a fan. Now, when we get excited about Jesus in the house of God, they call us fanatics, But I want to tell you something. God loves noise. That's why David said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. 
Every prayer don't have to be inside and just thinking your prayer. Open your mouth. It was by the word of the Lord that the earth was formed and the worlds were created. Open your mouth and talk to almighty God what you have need of. I feel like I'm preaching a little bit right now. People come to church dead. They get... They dead. Pastor, I don't want to be emotional. Really? Did you throw a rolling pin last week? Did you kick a cat last week? Did you throw something out of the house last week that you don't like? That's emotion. I'd rather have good emotions than bad emotions. God made us with emotions. I'm not ashamed of emotions. Come on, I'm not ashamed of emotions. Open your mouth wide and let God fill it right now and say praise the Lord. Come on, say praise the Lord. God loves emotions. Come on, clap your hands real big. God loves emotions. Make some noise. God is the solution to our problems. And the Bible said he inhabits our praise. That This praise is his house. Make a joyful noise to it. Praise is his house. He enjoys getting into his house with you. Then the Bible says, serve him with gladness. Verse 2. Come before his presence with singing. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. Woo! It's who I am. It's who I am. We was coming home from California with our whole family on Southwest Airlines. And my little three-year-old granddaughter had those earplugs on. And she listened to that song. And she was standing up in a Southwest Airlines seat with her hands in the air and saying, You're a good, good father. It's who you are. Everybody around her said, that's the sweetest thing I've ever seen. Let me tell you something. When you lift your hands and start telling Almighty God, He's a good, good Father, people will say, I love what I'm feeling. And Oh, help me preach right now. Come on, He's a good, good Father. Family, friends, health, and faith has got to stay in your hands. He's a good Father. He's a good Father. And then... Then you've got to get your mind right. Not only you got to get your mouth right, you've got to get your mind right. Verse 3 said, know that the Lord, he is God. It's he who has made us and not we ourselves. This is how you pray. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You've got to know your standing with him. Mm-hmm. He's a good, good father. And I got to get my mind right. I'm not walking into somebody trying to get judgment, put judgment on my head. I'm walking into a room that says, I love you, son. I love you with everything that's in my being. And I want to bless you and I want to help you. You know what? We have failed in that before because we've come in guilty. We've come in with our head down. You need to start this season correctly. You need to lift your head up and get your mouth right and get your mind right because he is the one that made you. And not you yourself. You are his people. And you're the sheep of his pasture. And that does matter. I just feel like doing a little dance. A little Toyota shuffle right now. It just feels good to preach that. Because I know in whom I have believed. And I know that whatever I commit to him. He's able to keep against that day. Because he will not forsake me. 
There's a scripture in Ezekiel said, if you come by the south gate to worship, you'll leave by another gate, the north gate. If you come by the north gate to worship, you'll leave by the south gate. When you come in worshiping, when you come in with your mouth right and with your mind right, I promise you there is nothing that God won't give to you as his children because he wants you to come with a right attitude. That's what prayer is, saying I'm talking to somebody that can help me like nobody else can. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. And then, number three, you got to learn how to enter. Enter his gates, verse 4, with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Life is full of challenges, folks. You got to enter right. You got to enter with praise and rejoicing. You got to enter with thanksgiving. You got to do it. See, gates, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Gates are a guarded area. Stay with me now. Gates are a guarded area. You got to come in right. And courts mean I know somebody and I've been invited for an appointment to meet them. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to put you in a guarded place when you pray, and you got an appointment with me anytime you want it. Come on in. Gates represent a guarded place. Court means I have an appointment, but he's not your judge. He's your Savior. What a joy to have a Savior. And the Bible says we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. I don't want anybody in this house thinking that God will not answer your prayer. Oh, he that answereth prayer. He is a prayer answering God. We ask not, and so we don't get. But if you ask, you will receive. And if you seek, you will find. And if you knock, it will be open to you. God wants his children to have rest. Philippians chapter 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your Request to God. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that powerful? The fourth point, and I close with this. It's never too late to pray. Never, never, never too late to pray. Never. It's never too late. Somebody say, Pastor, you know, I've been, I've been jacking around my life and messing up and falling down and people help me up, but I'm tired of that. Do you think I could pray now? Yeah. It's never too late to pray. And the reason I know that is because Jesus showed us that in Matthew 26. If you want to read something powerful when you get home, read Matthew 26. Because it's a story of Jesus in the garden and Judas has betrayed him and the guards have come to arrest him and they've taken him to Pilate's hall to be judged and to Herod's place to be beaten and then to Calvary. And Peter, as just, just before he does this, Peter takes his sword because he thinks that he's going to fight for the Lord. You know, he's still got it in his mind. He's going to bring an earthly kingdom, not a heavenly kingdom. Peter gets his sword and cuts off the high priest's servant's ear. Jesus reaches down, picks up that ear, and puts it back on that man's head and heals him just like that. And then he said, put up your sword, Peter. Put up your sword. He said, In verse 53, do we have it? Verse 53, do we have it? He said, thinkest thou not that I cannot now pray to my father? And he would presently give me more than 12 legions of angels. I'm already in the Romans' hands. Judas has already done his thing. Pete's cut somebody's ear off. They're taking me to Pilate's Hall. But right now I could stop the whole show. 
I could stop the whole proceedings because I promise you there's 12 legion would come down and take care of these men right now and wipe out the whole foundation of the Roman Empire and all the Praetorian guards would fall down suddenly because I have that power. But because the scripture must be fulfilled, I will not do that. Here's what I want to tell you. It doesn't matter how much is going against you in 2016. It doesn't matter how much is going against you all last year. You can start this year with some big rocks in your life. And one of them is prayer. One of them is communication. Come on, I'm talking about something that ought to be a dead issue, but you folks are responding so beautifully. Prayer changes things. Rand, if you'll help me, I appreciate it, buddy, if you'll help me. We're going to have our prayer partners come in just a minute. We're going to, we're going to pray for people and lay hands on you and bless you. Let, let, let me say something. Let me say something. I read about a man that weighed 350 pounds. He had a five-year-old daughter that had a kidney problem, and she was going to die if she didn't get a kidney. And his wife and he were matches for that baby. And his wife, because of a, of a medical issue, could not give up her kidney. And that man went to his doctor and said, I'll give my kidney. And the doctor said, you're too big. I can't take it. You'd die on the table. You're too big. He said, but i tell you what you'll do. If you'll lose weight, if you'll lose some weight and get it down to about 150 pounds, that's 200 pounds. He said, I'll, I think we can make it work. But he said, your daughter doesn't have long. You're going to have to get on with it. And that father, because of a love for a daughter, a five-year-old girl, lost 194 pounds in eight months. 184, 194 pounds and got down to 156 pounds. And came in and the surgery was successful. And that baby's alive today. Now listen to me. Listen to me. You've got to get this. But the Lord's not asking you to lose weight and give your kidney up. He's asking you to come into him and talk to him and say, Lord, I need you first in my life in 2017. That's what I need. I need you. It's not about losing weight, although everybody's on that diet stuff right now anyhow. Everybody's going to the gym, at least going in the front door and looking around. <laughs> but if it's worth anything, it's worth everything. Jesus Christ will not be second in your life. He just won't be second. He's going to be first or nothing. And you get in this sand and this gravel and this water and all this stuff in the jar. Some of you are forgetting the big rocks that you've got a heavenly father you can talk to and say, Lord, I need a little help. I want you to Google a man named Peter Richley when you get home. Peter Richley was a man who went away to Australia and joined the Navy from England. He went to the, join the Navy. And, and in one day, in one day, he was in five shipwrecks. One day was rescued for the sixth time by a boat called the City of Leeds. And when he got on that boat, for the sixth time, he was, he was wrecked five times, went down in five rigs in one day. It was a long time ago and the boats were rickety. Went down five times. 
But when he got on that boat, somebody said, sir, we, we've, got a, we've got a little lady in this boat that's kind of out of her head, but she's coming to Australia to try to find her son. She hadn't seen him in years. Said her name is Sarah Richley. And she thinks, she's described somebody that looks a whole lot like you. Would you go in there and act like you're her son? And the boy started breaking down. He said, I am her son. If he hadn't been sunk five times and never got on the city of Leeds, he'd have never saw that mama. But prayer still works no matter how late it is. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.